This morning we're continuing our sermon series, Home for Christmas, and today we're going to be focusing on being home with family, and we're going to look at the passage from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56 to do that. And before I read that to you, though, I invite you to, to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked, at, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name." His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So just a couple of weeks ago, I asked you all to think about maybe some of your, your favorite Christmas songs that you like to hear on the radio, and I talked about that song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which uh, is the theme of our Advent sermon series. And this past week, though, Julianne and I have been talking about some of our favorite Christmas movies, the ones that we always like to watch during the Christmas season. She likes some of the newer movies that we like to watch, movies like Home Alone, movies like The Santa Claus. Actually, really aren't that new anymore, but uh, she's a little bit younger than me, so I would assume her movies would be the newer ones. But her favorite movie by far is uh, A Charlie Brown Christmas, which we're going to watch in a couple of next week on Sunday night, and I hope you all can join us for that. She talks about how she loves that moment, that poignant moment in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas pageant where Linus comes out to the middle of the stage and reminds us all the true meaning of Christmas by reciting those words from the Gospel of Luke. 
The, the movies that I like are all the old classic movies. Those are my favorites. In fact, I've developed a little bit of a collection of DVDs of these holiday movies, and every evening we'll pull one out and watch one during the, the Christmas season. Right around Thanksgiving, I like to watch Miracle on 34th Street because it always begins with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's usually one of the first ones that we watch. And, and of course, as we get closer to Christmas, usually one of the last movies that we watch is It's a Wonderful Life. Sometimes George Bailey and Bedford and just wondering if our life really has meaning and purpose. Sometimes that just hits close to home for all of us. But the movie by far that I like the best, the story by far that I like the best, is A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I actually have four or five versions of the movie in my collection. And of course, Charles Dickens wrote it back in 1843, but it's been turned into lots of different movies, plays, cartoons, and of course musicals, which Peter and a wonderful cast have, have done here at our church over the past few years. But I love that story for a lot of different reasons. My favorite is probably the, the 1938 version with Gene Lockhart as Bob Cratchit. I, I love that version for a lot of different reasons. But I also like Alistair Sim and his version. He's probably my favorite Scrooge. And I even have the Muppet version where uh, Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit. How can you argue with that? And even the, the late 80s, there was a version that Bill Murray did called Scrooge. And I always end up singing along to the final song of that. It's my favorite by far because of the story itself about the meaning of Christmas of helping those who are lost and, and helping those who are hurting rather than just thinking about ourselves, which sometimes happens around Christmas time. It's a wonderful story, a story of, of hope, a story of redemption. But when I was a child, it was a story that made me afraid. I can remember sitting in my house around Christmas time, turning on the TV, seeing the, the George C. Scott version, and I can remember being so afraid of Ebenezer Scrooge, of how he yelled and was so mean to his little nephew Fred and kicked him out of his office saying Bob hum, Humbug. And then a little bit later when, when Bob Marley, or, or no, not Bob Marley, what am I saying? Uh, Jacob Marley, excuse me, came in. Bob Marley would be scary as well, but... Jacob Marley came in as a ghost, and it would just terrify me. And then, of course, the, the, Christmas, uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. I was so scared as a child of all of these different things. It was more of a, of a Halloween story than a Christmas story. But yet, that's what Charles Dickens wanted. He wanted it to be something that would scare the people at the time, to remind them not to take life for granted, not to take the people around them for granted. He had been serving in these, these schools that were meant for street children in London in the 1840s, and he saw how these street children were hurting so badly, and he also saw how these rich people were, were celebrating Christmas so boldly, and how there was a disconnect there. And he wanted to scare these people to remind them of the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss out on the meaning of Christmas. It was a story about fear, and it's a story that made me afraid. And like I said, you might think it was more of a story for Halloween than for Christmas, but when we read the original Christmas story, there are lots of times where the characters are afraid. Take Mary, for instance. In the passage right before the one I just read this morning, Mary was afraid. She was afraid because an angel had just come to her and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus Christ. She was going to give birth to the Christ child. And it says she was greatly disturbed in the passage, but what that really means is she was terrified. 
And even at the end of the passage, when she says resolutely, I'll do what God wants me to do, I have to believe she was still so scared about what was about to happen to her. She had plans for her life. She was betrothed to Joseph. That meant that she could just remain this obscure person and just be taken care of and have meaning and have value because she was married to this man in that time and that culture. But now all of that might go away. All of those plans might be torn down. She had to be just terrified. And so what did she do when she was afraid? Well, the very next thing that happens in the Luke Gospel is she goes to visit Elizabeth. Now, there are lots of different interpretations about why she went to go visit Elizabeth. Some people will say she was going to help Elizabeth because Elizabeth was pregnant as well. Other people will say, well, maybe she was going to, to hide out up there so that she wouldn't bring shame on her family with her own pregnancy. And that's an a all-too-common story that some of us maybe have heard in other places and other times. But I think she went to go visit Elizabeth because she was afraid. And Elizabeth was that family member who gave her strength and gave her courage when she was afraid. I like to believe, I like to imagine that Mary and Elizabeth had this special relationship that Mary could lean on Elizabeth when she was hurting or when she was afraid. We all have those people in our lives that we lean on when we're afraid, when we need courage, when we're hurting. They may be family members, people that we grew up with, or they may be friends or colleagues or people across the country that we pick up the phone and we call them and we just hear their voice. And it's, it's those people, those family members that give us strength when nothing else in the world can, can fix us or help us. I've told you this story before, but years ago when I was working in the hospital, I had a wonderful patient. I've told many stories about him named uh, Benny. Benny was a, a, a liver patient in the hospital, a teenager who was going through so much, and he was in the hospital for months and months on end. His parents were there often with him every single day, but at times his parents had to go to work, and so they couldn't stay with him throughout the day. And just before he got his transplant, there were some days where he was in terrible pain, hurting so badly. And the doctor would tell me they'd given him all the pain medicine they could give him for the day. And so I would go in his room sometimes and sit alone with him in the dark as he was just writhing in pain. And I would try to offer prayers with him and I would try to teach him some meditative prayers that would hopefully take his mind off the pain he was going through. But none of those things worked. Finally, one day, I think I was maybe fishing for a compliment, and I said, you know, is there anything, Benny, anyone that, that really helps you during these difficult times, hoping we might say, well, you're pretty good, chaplain. But instead, he gave a more honest answer. He said, the person that helps me feel best is my mom. Well, I stopped and I looked around that dark room and I saw over on the door, on the back of the door, his mom's sweater was hanging on the door. It was one of those little zip-up sweaters with a hood. And I immediately grabbed it and handed it to him. And I said, hold on to this. And he reached out and squeezed it. And he could smell his mom's lotion still there on the sweater. And he wrapped it up in his arms. And finally, he even put it over his back and, and wrapped it around him, almost like his mother was hugging him. And somehow, miraculously, while he was there with that sweater wrapped around him, he drifted off to sleep. It was nothing that would give him courage more than the presence of his mother, the presence of his family, that person that always made him feel safe and comfortable and confident and not alone. 
That's what our family does. And I like to think that's what Mary, Elizabeth was doing for Mary. Mary went to Elizabeth because she needed that person that made her feel not alone in this world where she truly was singled out, plucked from obscurity, and was all alone. She went to go see family, that person who loved her and who would give her strength, who would give her courage, and would give her that safety that she needed. And apparently, that's what Elizabeth did. And I, like I say, I hope we all had, had people like that in our lives. It may not be our immediate family, although for some of us it is our parents or our husbands or our wives or even our children, but it, it may be those other people in our lives who you can always count on to give you confidence, to build you up, to remind you how much you're loved. Whether it's a, a school teacher or a Sunday school teacher who sends you handwritten notes and prints out little inspirational cards so that you can remember how important you are are to her. Or, or maybe it's a, a nurse or a doctor who just cared for you while you were in the hospital and followed up with you after you were home. Or maybe it's a colleague at work who just, you all are comrades and you work together and it's just somebody that you can reach out to and their voice gives you strength and courage. We all need those friends, those people that we can lean on. And I think no matter whether they're blood kin or not, that's who our family is. When we're with them, we feel like we're at home. I think that's what Elizabeth was for Mary because when Mary finishes hearing those wonderful words inspired by the Holy Spirit from Elizabeth, what does Mary do? She sings. She sings this magnificent song called the Magnificat. She sings out loud. She's no longer afraid, but she's singing boldly and honestly to God. But this was not just some ordinary song. We often sing, we've even had this song performed here in our sanctuary before. It's a song of joy, it's a song of, of Christmas time, but it's even more than that. Because you see, this song, the Magnificat, is actually a song of revolution. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it. It was a revolutionary song, but because Mary is now not afraid anymore, she is singing loud and proud that God is going to use me and bring down those people who are proud and lift up those people who are hurting, care for those people in need, and take down all of those rich people in the world who are taking the people in need for granted. This is a revolutionary song, a song that turns the world on its head. Because that's what Christmas does when Jesus Christ comes into the world. In fact, this song was so revolutionary, you may not know this little anecdote, but Martin Luther, when he translated the Bible into German so that the common folk could read it, for some reason he chose not to translate the Magnificat. He left that part in Latin. And the reason why was because there was this fear that if people read this, those people in power would be angry, and those people not in power would want to revolt. And so he left that Magnificat in Latin so that it seemed too holy for us to, to touch, too holy for us to read. But that's what happens. Mary is inspired by Elizabeth to stand up, to be proud, to sing loudly, to be the person that the Holy Spirit and that God has called her to be. We all need those people in our lives too. Not just that family that makes us feel comfortable and makes us feel safe, but we need those people to push us, to hold us up, to give us strength to think that we can be more than we ever thought we could be. 
And I dare say, if you look at all of those Marys in the world, those people who have stood up and dedicated their lives to God to put their own will aside and and put God's will up front, I would dare say that all of those people have had someone like Elizabeth standing behind them, giving them strength, giving them courage, and reminding them that they are called. They are called by God to be more than they thought they could be. You might remember back in November, that was the 60th anniversary of the integration of schools in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's the story of little Ruby Bridges, the six-year-old who marched into that school all by herself in, in that elementary school in New Orleans. She, now 60 years later, 66 years old, was reminiscing about that last month and talking about what happened to her and how she dealt with that as a six-year-old child and how much courage it took for her with walking to that school every day, escorted by federal marshals with people yelling at her, screaming at her, calling her bad names. And she talked about the people in her life who helped her through that. She, as a six-year-old, didn't really know exactly what was happening, but she knew she was doing something meaningful. And she loved her parents, and her parents were her heroes. But those federal marshals were afraid that if her parents walked with her, that, that they would probably be targets of violence themselves. And so that's why you don't see her parents walking with her. She's walking with those marshals by herself. But there was another person inside that school. She would go in, and none of the other kids wanted to be in class with her. None of the other teachers wanted to teach her, but there was another teacher, one teacher who had come down from from Boston, Massachusetts. Her name was Barbara Henry. And every single day, Ruby would walk into that school and sit in a classroom alone with Barbara Henry, her teacher, and Barbara would teach her. They would sit there together one-on-one and learn together and laugh together and be joyful together. And every single morning as Ruby Bridges was walking to school with people hating her on the outside, she knew if I could just get to the inside, there's someone there who loves me. There's someone there who believes in me. There's someone there who will hold me up. Now, I don't know about you. I, until I heard about that story from Ruby Bridges, I'd never heard of Barbara Henry. But yet, Ruby Bridges says that if it weren't for someone like Barbara Henry who believed in her, then she never would have been the person we know her to be. See, we all need people like that in our lives who not only give us strength, who give us comfort, who hold us fast and and give us that safety and security, but we also need those people who believe in us, who encourage us, who hold us up and lift us up. That's what family does. That's what we need in our world, not just people like Mary, but people like Elizabeth. And there are countless people out there right now who are helping us do that. People wearing masks every single day who are cleaning grocery stores and cleaning hospitals and, believe it or not, maybe even cleaning our church, who are doing those things to try to keep us safe so we can continue to be the people we know we're called to be. People every day that we take for granted who hold us up and remind us That we can be braver than we ever thought we could be. Stronger than we ever imagined. That we too are called. Called by God to be God's precious children. That's what I believe Elizabeth did for Mary. Now don't get me wrong, we need people like Mary in the world. We need those people who are courageous, who are bold, who set aside their own will and put God's will first. In fact, that's what we're all called to do. But this Christmas, 
I hope you will think about those people in your own life who you can encourage, who you can strengthen, who you can put first, who you can hold up. Because just like this world needs Mary's, this world needs Elizabeth's too. This world needs people who will hold up those people in need. It may be difficult. Your name may not be remembered. But that is what family does. To the glory of God. Amen.